Peter Miner, lucky seven. <laughs> lucky seven. And think of all that experience we have now. Six <laughs> full episodes under our belts. Yeah. Yeah. How cool yeah. is that? Well, it's pretty cool. I'm telling you, I put nachos on my belt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'll say no more. So, uh, yeah. So, um, right. So we're ready to shift gears and continue on the theme and keep this thing moving on. Uh, so. Upshifting or downshifting? We're upshifting. Of course. We're upshifting. Okay. Yes, we're gathering absolutely. speed and momentum. Yes, absolutely. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Wind at our backs. All exactly. that sort of thing. Okay. Right, on, right on. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was thinking, mm. well, I think we were both thinking, let's, let's shift a little bit here, shift up and start with something that's happening currently. Very good. See if we can build that into the theme. Okay. Yeah, so what is good. what is happening currently? Is anything uh, happening currently? Oh, there's always 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 stuff happening. I mean, you know, we're like the the, the, the logistics industry is like is full of soap operas. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> so yeah, so so there's always something going on. There's anyway, I don't even know. But what what happened? This week, or what came to my attention this week, was a couple of interesting things, newsworthy, I suppose. So in ocean container shipping, you need containers, these 40-foot or 20-foot cans, basically, square, rectangular metal things. And there's a, there's a, always a chronic shortage of these containers. So some of a lot of it is because of the the economic imbalance so we get a lot a lot more stuff in from asia than we send to asia so it's about a two to one ratio so so what happens is that just sort of messes up the it just makes it harder to get when you're in asia you've got stuff being produced and you look around and there's no containers available to you and you got to wait till one comes back over empty so it's a it's a problem that's gets worse when things are good and tapers off when things slow down, but it's really bad right now because yeah, everything's picking up. So, so what started, what I started to see happen this last week is a couple of things. One, containers are being used to build apartments. <laughs> and this is new to you. Well, I heard about it. I know that in New York that there's, they use containers in some parts of Brooklyn for office offices. I mean, I, Mm-hmm. It, oh, I've I've seen them in the countryside, yeah. Did, uh, but the uh, there's uh, in Dallas. There's a developer in Dallas who's actually made an apartment complex out of forty foot containers. Oh yeah, I'm I've oh, been reading about this for a while yeah. in my sort of modern yeah. urbanism yeah. Um, newsletters and magazines. Yeah, Either yeah. a house will be created or a complex, just like what you're talking about, yeah. using yeah. shipping containers as the the raw material. Yeah. And you know, it looks great in a magazine, but you know, you really got to ask yourself a lot of questions. You know, what yeah. am I doing for windows? Right? What am I doing for insulation? You know, yeah. there's no plumbing, obviously. It's just yeah. a shell, right? Yeah. What's the advantage? Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it that much cheaper than drywall? I don't know. Yeah, true, true. 
but it's you know kind of what they call catchy is that the word it's sort of you know well, you know it it, uh, it has a little uh it has a little buzz to it let's put it that way it makes nice pretty pictures and uh i'm sure editors like this sort of a thing and, and who knows maybe it's cool to live in but on the other hand you know maybe not huh can what you imagine you know, you're crat. You're you're. It's it's Saturday morning. You know, and like your friend comes over to your container house, and you know they just start banging on the wall with a hammer, right? And the whole place is like, eh, you know. I, don't, I don't think you'd I can, like I that. <laughs> That's that sounds like a headache right there. Yeah, it does sound like a headache. That's right. I demand a <laughs> refund. I wouldn't like that at all. There's there's something ironic about that when we we're trying to ship containerfuls of tennis shoes and sweaters and computers and corn <laughs> corn corn goes wow. in containers well maybe not maybe so i don't yeah, know it does it does actually yeah those on bags on pallets what if we just had drone containers right after they're unloaded and they're empty instead of putting them you know in some yard next to the port just put them in the ocean right and they would yeah. just zoom their way back to tokyo or to hong hey. kong or whatever you know self-driving you know like a drone <laughs> just fit it with a little you know, lever in the back yeah. there, there is somebody who's looking at inventing a self-driving container there you go but but a terrestri terrestrial one so amphibious mm. one what an interesting thought that's yeah. pretty brilliant. Hey, make a note, Chris. Okay, make a note. That could be, that could get, be a patentable idea. Hmm. Patentable idea. This is why I get paid the big money. <laughs> because the issue is there ain't enough containers around. So, so the other thing I heard about was a problem, a bad thing that happened. So one of the biggest ocean carriers called Maersk had a problem and they have these giant ships that can hold like 20,000 of these containers stacked 10 high. And they're, when they were sailing from Asia to the U S the waters tend to see they're getting more and more rough. And there's a, what happens is these ships list 30 to 40 degrees either way. And so when that happens and you got these 10 containers stacked on the deck that are Moving back and forth is going to be enough force that's going to eventually just break them off and they're falling into the oceans. There was a, uh, I think a thousand or so that just um, it just recently fell off in the ocean and they're floating around out there actually now. They're floating. Yeah, these ones are actually are floating somewhere around Hawaii. Yeah. That's very interesting. They don't sink. Well, I guess it depends on what's inside. Who knows? Maybe these were filled with, I don't know, something that floats i don't know maybe maybe should invent maybe someone should invent a a container life jacket you know <laughs> so if it does go overboard it'll float regardless of what's in it that's a good idea yeah there you go and then it'll just take it wherever the prevailing currents take it i suppose and that's a great idea you know. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, then if it well. had a, if it had a smart bag then everyone would know where it is at any hey. given time anyway, right? Hey. Smart bag. Did I hear you right. say smart bag? I did hear you say, I, wow. yes, I heard wow. smart bag. You know, I hear wow. they're very useful, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Geez, funny you should mention smart bags because that, that's part of my theme. <laughs> because well, smart is, bags. This is what I want. I get a notice on my phone to tell me that my container is just washed up somewhere in South America or, you know, on a beach <laughs> in Chile. <laughs> 
Oh, By the way, wow. <laughs> come pick them up. the data to tell you where your container is? <laughs> well, it would help, you know, rather than getting some call from the Chilean Coast Guard. Well, yeah, true. Which, you know, they might not know how to get a hold of you. I mean, how would they know if that's your container? Uh, but we have a smart bag for that, don't we? I see. Wow. And you know what? The smart bag is hermetically sealed. So that probably would float, huh? Or well, I don't know. What does hermetically actually mean? Like a hermit? No, no. It's a. It means that it's airtight. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. if there's air in it, when it's sealed, presumably that might help it float a little bit. So Probably there's some air. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Another use of the bag. Yes. Well, so thank you for bringing up smart bags because that's actually something that is along the theme that we've been talking about all along, which is the digitalization of the industry and the value of having data. And I'm looking at working with an entity that is producing a smart bag, I'll call it, it's basically a plastic bag that goes inside of one of those containers. And it's got an IoT device in it. And hmm. IoT, yes, Internet of Things. So this is the new buzzword if you want to cool you want to press impress your friends, throw out the word IoT, and either eyes will gloss over and they'll think that you're maybe a little Asperger-y, or they'll think you're really cool because you know what IoT is. Or at least you eh. the word. What if you were an IoT storyteller? That's combining two buzzwords. That could oh, be pretty cool. There we go. Hey, that, that could be a thing. Yeah. Because it really is about the story. That's what IoT does. So IoT, like if you have a smartwatch or... Well, even your your smartphone is an IoT device. It's constantly telling somebody somewhere in the cloud where you are, what you're doing. Same thing with the smart bag inside of the container. It can be telling telling the cloud 24 hours a day where it is, what it's doing, what's happening. It's all about the data. Okay. Was it, what, what other unique data does it spit off? I mean, where it is is not unique if it's, Correct. let's say, on the ship, because the ship would know where it is, right? Mm -hmm. right. So that would be appear, that would appear, appear to be a little redundant. Mm -hmm. But what unique data can it spit off? Well, so if you can get a really good IoT device in there, it could sense humidity, temperature. Mm -hmm. uh, could also sense orientation movement. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... We're heading northbound at X number of knots, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what, would, yep. what would one do with this sort of a thing? Well, so there's always two ways you can use data. So one, you can use it historically. You can look back at what happened and figure out, hmm, if this bad thing keeps happening in this kind of way, or, or it helps you to identify bad things that keep happening and identify a pattern. And once you know that pattern, you could change the pattern somehow, some way. Like for example, like for example, with these containers that fell off the Maersk vessel, if if you had a lot of historical data on how many times containers fell off of vessels as they're sailing through the Pacific, you could you could know when it happened, the time of day, what kind of the weather conditions there were, what kind of vessel it was, uh, what how how much the vessel was moving. Uh, you, it, with all that, you could you could you could analyze. If you had the right kind of analytical tools, you could figure out 
that maybe you could change the way you route the the vessels, the time of day. Maybe you do something different when you know that there's a storm coming up. But we, there's you can find efficiencies in when you look at historical data. So historical data is about hmm, how do we how do we take some cost out of this? How do we take some time out of this? That's best done with historical data. Now let's say that I have a smart bag, and I have all this data, right? And I come to the conclusion that, you know, this route would be better than that route. Okay, how am I going to wield any kind of influence over the carrier to actually route the ship in a different direction? Oh well, it's the carrier. Who cares? Well, you would think, but what if the carrier says we have this data over here that we got from? Uh, you know, Fred Flintstone, and it says something else entirely. I see. Well, all right, then you'll have to have a discussion. <laughs> you'll have to figure out, look at the we'll data and figure out. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, um, I mean, my sense about it is the way this works, it's it's getting away from the traditional, well, here, I got my toys, and I, you know, I know my toys, and I'm going to make sure I take care of them. And, you know, don't look at my toys. I know what I'm doing. And then the next party has their own toys. So, to really change this big world of four trillion dollars in logistics, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kind of work together with data to figure out how the you can make the whole more efficient. It's it's not something that you can just be optimized by by one part or the other. So it, it's it's a it's a different kind of thing. Yeah, I'm dreaming. Sure, I'm dreaming for sure. But 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 to to get to the, to get there, you just gotta have access to the data. And that's where the smart bag or an IoT device would be good. I see. So the data brings Kumbaya to the shipping. It does. Business. Well, it 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 enables Kumbaya. Enables Kumbaya. You should put that in your ad campaign. Kumbaya enabled. <laughs> I, I got know, it. Pow, pow, powered by Kumbaya. How's that sound? <laughs> I got it. So, so yeah. So let's see. So, so. That's how we could solve the problem with the containers falling off the, sh the, the vessel. Now, how about containers being used to make apartment buildings? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I'm living in Vermont with Bernie Sanders, I don't think I want to live in a house that has corrugated metal walls. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I'd have to wear a lot of those mittens in order to stay warm during the winter. <laughs> Well, so then maybe, you know, maybe you just go to Dallas or which is where this actually is happening or mm -hmm. somewhere in the south where it's not so bad. You know, not too hot, not too cold. In the summer. <laughs> Dallas okay. isn't too hot in the summer. So what you're saying is I should live in a corrugated metal house when it's 105 degrees in January. <laughs> Stick an air conditioner in it. Well, sure. Why not? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You, you, you I, know guess, I think, it's, I think yeah. it's good for Carmel. Let's put it that way. But it wouldn't Carmel, quite There we go. Have yeah. you ever been to Carmel? You know, a shipping container sure. wouldn't exactly fill in, uh, fit in with all the houses no, in Carmel. It's a little different style. Yes, yes. But, but you could go to um, uh, Pacific Grove or... Oh, they're even worse. Are you kidding? <laughs> Pacific Grove? <laughs> well, okay, wait. So uh, anyway, there's, you know, if you go in that a little bit, you could find, find a way to make that work. But, but then those poor containers are are being used for another purpose and they're really they, they you know they're they're not in service that's that's not a good thing these poor containers are being taken out of service exactly yeah i yeah. see and so 
I mean, is this really a thing, a container shortage? It seems like the simplest thing in the world to make. You get a steel, you got some sides, you got a lock, yeah. bang, you're done. Yeah, what do you think, huh? Why don't they just ship them back, you know? Mm -hmm. No, they do. They do. They ship them okay. back empty. Yep. Okay. Well, then, now you're talking a political trade imbalance issue, not an actual mm -hmm. logistics issue. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, I mean, uh, unless, of course, the containers are collapsible and you can fit twice Ooh. as many in when they're empty. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah, there's somebody there's somebody working on that, actually. Somebody. <laughs> some guy, right? Some guy. startup, mm. yeah. Startup, God, why did what is what is it necessary to build a startup to, you, you know, if you go into some kid's toy store, right? Toys R Us, if it doesn't exist anymore, you could probably find a, you know, a six-inch plastic equivalent of a box that collapses on itself. You know, uh -huh. is, is it is it is it that hard? Uh, uh no comment. No comment. <laughs> I do legitimately. I did talk to a startup who is who is building a collapsible container because. There and and their the value proposition is that it's good for the um, good for the environment. Why? Because it takes more empty containers back to China than otherwise could be taken. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now you know the 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 accountants are going to say, well, is it cheaper to ship them back from the west to the east, or is it cheaper just to make more in the east? Exactly. That's a good question. Or or make them um, amphibious, which I think would go back to your original proposal. Yeah, I dig that. You know, drone, just dump them in the ocean and they'll drive themselves back. I really like that idea. I think that's a good way to end this at this, this episode. A possibility of a better future. How's that? A possibility of a better future. Yeah. Can you imagine instead of going whale watching, you go drone watching? You know, a bunch of people <laughs> with binoculars looking out. I see a drone, right? I would and do it. Yeah, of absolutely. Course, right. On. Of course, somebody's going to want to sell advertising. So, you know, one of them, it'll say, eat at Joe's on the side of it, you know. <laughs> Bring when it if, on. <laughs> you know, when you're in the port of Long Beach, you know, come by Joe's place. So much for the invisible world of logistics. So yeah. I like it. Good. Well, next thing we have to we have to do is make them submersible. You know, so they'll just, you know, go underwater. You know, because we don't want to we don't want to ruin the aesthetics of our vistas. You know, like the windmill <laughs> people. You know. Yeah, I think that's going to have to be a little bit after the amphibious version. Yeah, I think you're probably right. That's that's a couple of steps down the road, right? All right. Signing off. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs>